This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. 60 minutes of insight and analysis on the Volunteers and Titans. Powered by the Outkick Network. This is the Tennessee Power Hour with Jonathan Hutton and Chad Withrow. We are back on another edition of the Tennessee Power Hour. Powered by Outkick and served up by Nelson's Greenbrier Tennessee Whiskey. Enjoy Nelson's Greenbrier Tennessee Whiskey and enjoy responsibly 45.5% alcohol by volume. I actually had some of that Tennessee whiskey last night. Huge thanks, huge shout out to Charlie Nelson, Andy Nelson, and their entire team at Nelson's Greenbrier Distillery. Hosted a fabulous event last night, a VIP bourbon and Tennessee whiskey tasting for American Cancer Society. I want to say a special thank you to Charlie Nelson, who led a history tour of the distillery, as well as a tasting for our guests last night. So big thanks to them, to Erica to Philip, to the entire team at Nelson's Greenbrier Distillery. We say thank you for your partnership with the Tennessee Power Hour, and thank you for helping us with whatever charitable efforts we may have. And that was a huge help last night, so big thanks to them. I'm Chad Withrow. Jonathan Hutton is here. Hutton, we've got some football to talk about. And unlike the previous week, uh, where it was a great Titans outcome to discuss and an awful Vols outcome, we're going to flip-flop with our Titans Vols today because we've got a bad Titans outcome and a great Vols outcome to discuss. And we're going to roll right into our Titans discussion after a close loss to the Bengals. But first off, hello. Welcome. Another Tennessee Power Hour. Hutton, we made it. We, we made we, it to we another did. week. <clears throat> we did. The voice is coming back too, Chad, which is oh, awesome. Yes. Uh, we are back. Chuck that is voice back. is back, baby. Listen to those that beautiful pipes. Here we go. Jonathan Hutton. I can hear it again. There's a glimmer in his eyes. I'm looking at him right now. And the pipes are coming back. The voice is getting there. Uh, I, I'm, uh, you know, the, the the Bengals are back. They were back in Nashville, and, and and you know, it was, it felt very similar to me to to the way uh, the the Titans left Nissan Stadium last January, where you know the the defense did its part, um, but that you know that the Bengals are, are are a team, Chad, that I use as an example of a, a team that can win different ways. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, and that's that's. I don't know if the Titans can do that through the playoff run, and and that's that's why people have been pointing out. Well, they're winning. I'm like, yeah, they're winning, but they're not winning the way you have to win in January in consecutive order. You can you can rattle off two or three games, but the way the Bengals did it in January last year is similar to the way the Bengals won this past week at Nissan Stadium. They didn't play their best, but they were the better team. Uh, against a team that prides itself on being very physical. Our first Titan segment is presented by Two Rivers Ford. Don't pay too much for your new Ford. Custom order from Two Rivers Ford just outside of Nashville and Mount Juliet. Two Rivers Ford is the premier volume Ford dealer in Tennessee. They've been locally owned since 1983. They sell all their new non-specialty Fords at just over 1% over invoice. That's right, 1% over invoice. They've got a special going on right now as well uh, with Cyber Monday this past week, a week-long special with 1% over invoice going on. They're going to treat you right. You'll always get the best price. I know because my family's been buying from Two Rivers for years, so give them a call toll-free, 800-900-1000. That's 800-900-1000. Hutton, we're dissecting the Titans' loss to to Cincinnati. What is the proper reaction to that game? Is this a a game where overreaction is warranted? How, How should we be talking about this close loss to Cincinnati. Well, it was certainly no revenge game, right? Like there's no way to measure up to what January's loss meant for the team last year. Um, Look, I think that the the proper reaction is this, that the Titans have a very specific way of winning football games. And they showed you how, if that doesn't go right, specific to the point, they're going to lose. They need to tackle well. They need to great special teams play and, and play the field position game. 
They can't turn it over. But they, if they do, they need to get a turnover themselves and create a turnover. They don't score, but when they reach the red zone, they they get seven, not three. I mean, this is the formula. More physical, uh, bully ball in the trenches, hard-nosed, tough, gritty, trench warfare. And uh, they they didn't meet those expectations this past Sunday against the, the Cincinnati Bengals. They're looking to hold, hold their opponent to two and a half touchdowns per game. And then they need to get 21 points. I mean, that's that's their goal. And the margin for error with that, Chad, is so extremely thin. So when you have stupid penalties, like the one that ended the football game, or you have the rookie punter who doesn't have a good day, and Ben Jones is out, and Traylon Burks isn't enough, and the tackling isn't great, and Todd Downing gets a DUI, and for whatever reason, people are going to say that could be a distraction. Uh, they, they chose to kick a field goal in the fourth quarter instead of going for it when they needed seven points either way, Uh, when the wind and the elements and all of that's playing a factor. And even though Tannehill's playing well, um, the defense shuts down Derrick Henry. When it's all not clicking, I don't know if they have a plan B that can sustain them through through a series or two in a game where they're head-to-head with a really good football team. The Bengals are a good football team, right? Yeah. the it, the the Giants or uh, just going through the 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 other games the the Bills the Chiefs it, the when the Titans are playing a team with a losing record they can get away with not doing this to the formula but when you play a playoff team the Titans have a very specific way of winning games and there is a very slim margin they are standing on the edge of a cliff by how they've gone about building this roster and. Plan A would be the Packers game from the week before, yes. right? That's always yeah. plan A. That That's the script. That's the blueprint for the Titans to have success and win. Now, the Packers are not a good football team, and that, that continues to be shown week after week, and they're about to get worse without Aaron Rodgers if, if this injury lasts. But I, I'm with you. Cincinnati's a very good football team. Th- this looked like a game between two playoff teams that we yes. kind of thought we were going to get. Um but, yep. I mean, we, we talk about it. We hammer it home every week, Hutton. The flip side of Packers' performance and Bengals' performance and how that perfectly encapsulates the path to victory versus the path to defeat for the Titans. Yeah, I mean, it, it's uh, the, the Titans normally find a way. Like, I'm not coming in here being extremely negative over a loss to the Cincinnati Bengals in November, right? They normally find a way. But it's very defined on how they do that. And if they perform to their capabilities, all is well. You know, they're they're the smartest coaches and general managers and scouts in the room. But when it doesn't go to formula, uh, well, then you've got Joe Burrow who can find T. Higgins, even though Jamar Chase is out. Or you have Samaje Pirine who runs over a good run defense, even though Joe Mixon is out. Like, it, there's an answer for Cincinnati. I don't know if the Titans have an answer for their plan A whenever it's wiped out. And and Cincinnati so far has been the the riddle that the Titans have not been able to solve no matter how hard they want to take the mallet to the to the wall and just pound away at the uh the offensive and defensive fronts. In a weird way, Hutton, when we we look at Ryan Tannehill and his play, I feel like he improved when he had the ankle injury. That he's come back from the ankle injury and has been better. He was great against the Packers. Yeah. yeah. He was fine in this game. Yep. Ryan Tannehill's the least of their concerns right now with this football team. Would you agree? I agree. Yeah, I mean, it, for all the praise that Joe Burrow is receiving, Ryan Tannehill played just as well in this football game. He was 9 of 14 on th- on third down. Um, he Ryan Tannehill, to your point, Chad, with the, with the ankle, he is 21 of 30 for 386 yards on first down in his last three football games. I mean, that, the past game, as crazy as it sounds, is not the problem. They can't run the damn football. That's their problem. And and Ryan Tannehill in the passing game is doing okay. Everything's fine except for the offensive line and the run game. If they get that going, there is another element. There's a little juice to what they're doing with Aconquo and, more importantly, Traylon Burks and Austin Hooper. Um, but, again, the, the better teams are solving the Derrick Henry problem. And – um, it, we're we're going to see that firsthand this this coming Sunday against Philadelphia with 
a really good football team that they've got to go up and play their style of game in order to win at Lincoln. And 2.8 yards per carry is not going to get it done exactly. for Derrick Henry. And Ben Jones at center is a big part of what they do in the run game, Hutton. And him being out has been a big loss for the Titans so far. It's huge. I mean, in the last three games, Henry has 20 carries for either one, zero, or negative yards. 20 carries for one, zero, or negative yards. And Ben Jones has missed the last two games. 15 of those 20 carries have come when Ben Jones has missed the game. So I think it's imperative they get him back. Um, Aaron Brewer is a fine player. Let me tell you, he's no Ben Jones, and he's no Roger Saffold. They have really taken a step back in that regard. Um, and now, granted, they thought he was going to be playing next to Taylor Lewan, and they they should have uh, better options on the right side of the offensive line too. But they need Ben Jones back in a big way, Chad, because the passing game is producing. The run game has been the problem, and the stalwart, the glue guy, is Ben Jones, and he's recovering from uh, concussion protocol. If anything's going to keep Ben Jones out, that's literally, I think, the only thing. Here's hoping he gets back in because they desperately need him because Brewer is is small for an offensive lineman. He's small for a guard, and he's getting pushed around. Um, And that's not all on him because I think he's a pretty good fighter. You know, he's a wrestler. But Ben Jones is just their grit, and they're missing that right now in the run game. The A.J. Brown game has arrived. We will preview Titans, Eagles, and discuss the A.J. Brown dynamic in this one when we come back. This is the Tennessee Power Hour, powered by OutKick and served up by Nelson's Greenbrier, Tennessee Whiskey. The Tennessee Power Hour. Get Jonathan Hutton's breakdown of this week's Titans matchup next. Cheers, Hunt. Cheers, Withrow. And cheers to brothers Andy and Charlie Nelson. After a chance encounter, they dedicated their lives to resurrecting the family business, Nelson's Greenbrier Distillery. And what they found is that whiskey runs in their blood. Made in Nashville, Tennessee, Greenbrier Tennessee whiskey is a taste of home with a real Nashville story. Head to GreenbrierDistillery.com for cocktail recipes and more info. Greenbrier Tennessee whiskey and Nelson Brothers bourbon now available throughout the great state of Tennessee. So ask for it at your favorite store. Get you some Greenbrier. Nelson's Greenbrier reminds you to drink responsibly. Greenbrier Tennessee Whiskey, 45.5% alcohol by volume. Don't pay too much for your new Ford. Custom order it from Two Rivers Ford just outside Nashville. Two Rivers Ford is the premier volume Ford dealer in Tennessee. They've been locally owned since 1983, and they sell all their new non-specialty Fords at just 1% over invoice. That's right, 1% over invoice. They treat you right, and you'll always get the best price. I know because my family has been buying from them for years. So call Two Rivers Ford today at toll-free 800-900-1000. Hello, Tennessee Power Hour listeners. My name is Hunter Briley, and I am with Regal Realty Group. And my name is Richard Van Clive. I'm also with Regal Realty Group. And we are great friends that treat our clients like great friends, because that's how we want to be treated. We are also born and raised here in Middle Tennessee and support our local team. And with an economy that's affecting everything except the real estate market, it's important to do business with friends that can tell you what's what. From contract to closing, everything in between, we have you covered. Go to RegalRG.com to get started. And happy football season. Hey, it's Hutton. If you're in need of catering from big events to your weekend family gathering, my friends at Edley's Barbecue have you covered. They've been voted Nashville's best barbecue four years in a row, but I vouch for their Nashville-style barbecue far longer. From corporate meetings to box lunches to weddings, rehearsal dinners, and holiday gatherings, your neighborhood Edley's Barbecue location is where to turn. Edley's is a tribute to all things Southern and authentic to all things Tennessee. Nashville-style barbecue, Edley's Barbecue. Order at edleysbbq.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. From Nashville to Knoxville, Ball's news and analysis on the Tennessee Power Hour. We're back on the Tennessee Power Hour, powered by Outkick, served up by Nelson's Greenbrier, Tennessee Whiskey, always 
Enjoy responsibly. 45.5% alcohol by volume. Alongside Jonathan Hutton, I'm Chad Withrow. We recap the Titans' loss to the Bengals now. We preview Titans-Eagles in a big game in Philly, the city of brotherly love. But most of the time, there's anything but brotherly love happening in that city. That's right. But you can always find love at Edley's Barbecue, Hutton. Uh, We were fortunate enough to be at Edley's Barbecue very recently. And every time I start thinking about Tennessee whiskey, I start thinking about what pairs nicely with it. And it is authentic Nashville-style barbecue. Yeah, fall in love with Nashville-style barbecue at edleysbbq.com. So four locations up until this past week. Sylvan Park, East Nashville, 12 South. In Donaldson, they're also open. And Chad, we had the great uh, opportunity. We we swung by. We saw Will Newman and uh, the great Newman family, Mark Harvey, and all of our great friends at Edley's Barbecue. What a wonderful brand new location in Lenox Village, which is uh, near and dear to your heart. You went down memory lane on our trip there. Yeah, and I lived about a mile from that location uh, for the better part of six years uh, in, in my 20s. That was my stopping ground. So it brought back a lot of fond memories driving through the old neighborhood, uh, very close to the villages of Brentwood, the condo yes. complex that I lived in. And it is a terrific location. Here's what I know about that place is going there, sampling the menu, and hanging out in the bar area. I didn't want to leave. There was football on the TVs. We had to go do a show. That's the feeling you get yeah. inside their new Linux Village location. And that you know, you walk in, they've got uh, all the smells, and you've got the the great brisket right there, um, that made from scratch sides. And oh, by the way, the bar, Chad, did you see the sign? They've got the the Tennessee whiskey, Nelson's Greenbrier Tennessee whiskey there. I, I saw the sign. Our guy Charlie Nelson commented on it when I posted on Instagram. They've got the the Greenbrier Tennessee whiskey sign right there for all to see. Again, Edley's Barbecue. Nashville Star Barbecue, authentic to all things Southern and Tennessee. Edleysbbq.com for more. Five locations, Sylvan Park, East Nashville, 12 South, Donaldson, and now in Linux Village. Let's talk Titans-Eagles, Hutton. A.J. Brown. This is the A.J. Brown game. Yes. This has been the source of a lot of anxiety for Titans fans, knowing this game was on the schedule after A.J. Brown was traded on draft night. And here it is, A.J. Brown and the Eagles having a terrific year as they get set to host AJ's old team, the Titans. Yeah, and you know what? I mean, here it is. I, I'm I'm anticipating as we tape this, Chad. I I anticipate AJ Brown not being able to handle himself on social media this week, right? Like, um, and maybe maybe he proves us wrong. I I just I think he's going to give in to a lot of people that are going to talk some trash to him. History would tell us that he will not handle things well. If history is any indicator, he's going to pop off. Over under how many deleted tweets? Four and a half? Like, how many deleted tweets this week? I I think it's going to be under, but certainly multiple. I think two to three deleted tweets will happen this week. Well, so so here's here's what I I feel is coming. Um, I think there will be an overreaction to AJ's overreaction this week, right? And everyone's going to think, oh, the the Titans are so in his head. AJ goes out and produces, even though he's distracted. Like, that's that's the difference in the alpha mentality that I love about that dude. I don't love how he reacts to everything on social media, but it's very hard to get him out of his game. And the dude can ball. And I say all that to say, I'm still stunned. John Robinson traded that guy. I, I, I'm seeing already this week on social media the comparisons with Traylon Burks and A.J. Brown. And it, it's simply not apples to apples here. And, and Chad, here's why. It's, it's intellectually dishonest, some of these well, comparisons. Well, the, the comparison is through their first seven games of their career. And if you look at their first seven games of their career, it's nearly identical on receptions and yards and all that. But here's the problem that people are missing. They didn't trade A.J. Brown after seven games. They traded this A.J. Brown after year three, after he had already been a three-time 1,000-yard receiver to start his career. Um, he, he was already in the argument for the best wide receiver in franchise history. And he made you dynamic, and he gave you moments in games when you didn't have a dude that was stepping up to give you moments 
because your workhorse was shut down. And that that's why you can't make the comparison right now. Burke can be that guy. The problem is the Titans are telling us by the time he is, they'll trade his ass too. And that's why I'm still stunned that they traded A.J. Brown when they did instead of just calling his bluff and saying, hey, man, put up and, and shut up and we're going to pay you here and let's go win a Super Bowl. And instead, he's the missing link that I still point to, Chad, as to why I'm not buying in right now for a team that has seven wins. They're going to win their division. They're going to host a playoff game. But I'm looking at number 11 and thinking, that's who should be playing right now for this offense to keep this window wide open. It's open. It's not wide open. Well, and Hutton, you hated the trade when it happened. So this is not, you know, going back in hindsight. You've been consistent on this. It was a huge gamble that they took, and they made the team worse right now. You know, Traylon right. Burks may be AJ Brown in two years, but who's going to be the Titans' quarterback in two years? Right. What time of team? What type of team will the Titans have in two years? You don't know. You knew what type of team they were capable of having this year with A.J. Brown on the roster. That's what I have a hard time reconciling is you knew the Titans would be better with A.J. Brown on this team, this A.J. Brown right now, not this Traylon Burks right now. The trade may very well pay off in the long run. That doesn't matter for this year for a team that's in a window where they, they should be competing for a Super Bowl. Yeah, I, I'm with you. And and the the – those are, well, AJ's a diva and all that. I'm thinking, do you realize like how many times, Chad, you and I took calls year after year after year after year after year about how the Titans are, and it wasn't true, are cheap and they don't want the the superstar guy and they, they can't handle that here and that those, those guys don't want to come to Nashville. They had that guy. He embodied everything. And now he's the reason why Jalen Hurts has gone from a dude who had to prove it to before the even year is up, he's at worst number two in the MVP vote right now. Um, that's th- that's what he meant to the Philadelphia Eagles offense. And by dropping him in there, you now have to pick your poison. And I still don't think you have to pick your poison with the Titans. You have to decide whether or not you're going to go in there and go into a slugfest. And if you're going to be willing to, you know, leave, you know, with a broken jaw or, uh, you know, a field goal win, you know, yep. that, that that's the difference in these two teams. And the problem I have with it is it's not like a, it wasn't a, um, a beta move by AJ. It was a very alpha move. He won this. And because of that, he's on the better team right now, power to him. Um, and I, I wish we were still covering him here. I do. So, Two things with the Titans offense. One, if they're going to pull off the the upset win in Philly, they need Derrick Henry to be Derrick Henry. And two, they need Todd Downing to be great in this game. Um, It's been a rough couple of weeks for Todd Downing after a terrific performance calling the game against the Packers. He could earn back a lot of fans with a great performance on Sunday. Yeah, and I didn't think he was bad against the Bengals, honestly. I didn't think it was just a horrendous performance. I think he's been focused, and um, I don't think anything that happened off the field, I'm not condoning it one bit, I don't think it factored into why they performed the way they did and only put up 16 points. But, Chad, they've got to get the run game going. I mean, that that's what this comes down to. Can they pound the rock, control the football, keep that Philadelphia offense on the sideline, and go against a Philadelphia defense that has allowed big runs at times? They need Derrick Henry to be King Henry on this day. And if they do that, they have a formula that can go on the road and win at Lincoln Financial Field. I do believe that. I don't think the Titans get blown out. But I also don't think they can go up there and put up 34 points. All right, Hutton, prediction time. Um, I will go first on this one. Yep. I think I may surprise you with this. I think this is Buffalo Bills times times two. I don't think it's very competitive. I think Philly at home, uh, this is going to be kind of a reset type game for the Titans to to readjust down well, the stretch. They're going to be seven and five after this week. I do not see good things in this game. I'm going to go Eagles 38, Titans 17. Well, see, this goes back to my it's not if you lose, it's how you lose, right? Because yep. I'm also predicting Philadelphia to win the game. Um, I just think it's a tight game. I'm I'm picking it 27-20. Um, and, and I think it's a late score at the end where Hertz does 
this drive down the field and goes and gets points. I do think AJ plays well. I think Traylon Burks will play well too. Um, I do not have the confidence in the Titans offense to go and get points when it really matters against a really good team. And until they show that to me, I'm not going to pick them against a team that I would pick to go to the Super Bowl right now out of the NFC. So I, I think the Titans are good. I think the Eagles believe they can be great. And there's a difference between that. I'm taking Philly, and a loss is a loss no matter how we want to look at it. But if they get blown out, we're recapping this in a whole different manner a week from now, Chad. Absolutely. Well, just like old times, the Tennessee Vols absolutely clowned Vandy on Saturday night in Nashville. We'll discuss that game and talk about what's next for Tennessee as they prepare for bowl season. That's coming up. This is Tennessee Power Hour, powered by OutKick and served up by Nelson's Greenbrier Tennessee Whiskey. From the honky-tonks to Rocky Top, the Tennessee Power Hour continues next. Cheers, huh? Cheers, Withrow. And cheers to brothers Andy and Charlie Nelson. After a chance encounter, they dedicated their lives to resurrecting the family business, Nelson's Greenbrier Distillery. And what they found is that whiskey runs in their blood. Made in Nashville, Tennessee, Greenbrier Tennessee whiskey is a taste of home with a real Nashville story. Head to GreenbrierDistillery.com for cocktail recipes and more info. Greenbrier Tennessee Whiskey and Nelson Brothers Bourbon now available throughout the great state of Tennessee. So ask for it at your favorite store. Get Get you some some Greenbrier. Greenbrier. Nelson's Greenbrier reminds you to drink responsibly. Greenbrier Tennessee Whiskey, 45.5% alcohol by volume. Don't pay too much for your new Ford. Custom order it from Two Rivers Ford just outside Nashville. Two Rivers Ford is the premier volume Ford dealer in Tennessee. They've been locally owned since 1983, and they sell all their new non-specialty Fords at just 1% over invoice. That's right, 1% over invoice. They treat you right, and you'll always get the best price. I know because my family has been buying from them for years. So call Two Rivers Ford today at toll-free 800-900-1000. Hello, Tennessee Power Hour listeners. My name is Hunter Briley, and I am with Regal Realty Group. And my name is Richard Van Clive. I'm also with Regal Realty Group. And we are great friends that treat our clients like great friends, because that's how we want to be treated. We are also born and raised here in Middle Tennessee and support our local team. And with an economy that's affecting everything except the real estate market, it's important to do business with friends that can tell you what's what. From contract to closing, everything in between, we have you covered. Go to RegalRG.com to get started. And happy football season. Hey, it's Hutton. Get prepared for your next tailgate with my friends at Edley's Barbecue. You've got options. Wings in 25 or 50 count platters, smoked pulled pork, the best brisket, tender turkey, and scratch made sides family style. Edley's is perfect on game day or for take home. Edley's Barbecue smokes all meats low and slow and all sides are classic family recipes, fresh every day. Edley's is a tribute to all things Southern and authentic to all things Tennessee. Nashville style barbecue, Edley's Barbecue. Order at Edley's bbq.com This is the Tennessee Power Hour with Jonathan Hutton and Chad Withrow. The Tennessee Power Hour rolls on. We are powered by Outkick. Served by Nelson Greenbrier Tennessee Whiskey with Chad Withrow. I'm Jonathan Hutton. We're talking Vols over the final 30 minutes of the power hour of this episode. Chad, the final score was 56 to nothing, and you know the score isn't indicative of the game. Whenever I have to ask the question, what would the score have been had Hendon Hooker played? What a performance by the Tennessee Volunteers against the Vanderbilt Commodores in the final regular season game. Uh, Honestly, at one point, I think it was was 21-0 at halftime. I I thought, and I I tweeted it, it would have been 42-0 if Hendon Hooker was playing. Because I think Joe Milton missed three easy touchdowns in oh, the game. Oh, easily, yeah. Uh, I, I think it would have been 42 nothing at the half had Hendon Hooker played in the game. Um, so, yeah, it was an impressive performance. And it was a needed performance. Uh, I was texting with a, a player's parent on Saturday, and we were going back and forth, and that parent responded to me and said, this is a must-win. There's no other way around it. It's must must win time tonight for Tennessee because Hutton, a loss would have completely changed the complexion of the whole season and everything yes. Tennessee accomplished with wins over Alabama and Florida and at LSU and the chance to get to 10 wins in the regular season for the first time since 2003, a chance now with a bowl win to get to 11 wins for the first time in a long time. 
I, I, I thought that this was, I was a little bit anxious in going into this game all weekend because I'm thinking a loss would just completely wreck a lot of what was accomplished for Tennessee. They salvaged a lot. You can't erase the bad defensive performance against South Carolina and the fact that it lost them a chance to go to the playoff. Now, they may have not gone to the playoff either way if USC and TCU win on Saturday. I think they would have been out even if they beat South Carolina if those two things happen, but they lost any chance of the playoff with that game. But to bounce back, to show they still had a lot to play for, I thought it was a statement-making moment for the program on Saturday night, and they answered the bell. And Josh Heupel, who's a pretty understated guy, pretty calm, you could tell he was worked up about a lot of the talk about his program being divided and having a culture issue in the locker room and things that Kirk Herbstreit said on the playoff show about a fight in the locker room, dividing the team and all of that. Look, something happened between Jeremy Banks and the team. I don't don't know if it was some big physical altercation, but something happened to where he didn't make the trip uh, to Columbia and they're not talking about it. But I do think that Josh Heupel wins in the end because I'm watching that team Saturday and thinking, okay, this isn't a team that's quitting and it's not a team that's overly divided when you see the way they interact with each other and how they played that game. Um, We're going to get into this also, though, Hutton. Boy, Jeremy Banks makes it makes an impact when he's out there on defense, yes. and we we saw that on Saturday night. But regardless, a big game. Not that you beat Vanderbilt, you should beat Vanderbilt. They're not very good. Tennessee's a much better team right now. But to come back after the South Carolina game and pound Vanderbilt in a pounding rain on Saturday night, the way they did, was an, an important next step for this program. Yeah, it was not like a days ago. I'm with you on that. It wasn't 38 nothing in the rain. 56 nothing just hit different with the way they were throwing the rock around as well as running it. And man, did they run it well. They they ran it well all season, Chad. And they ended the regular season with dominance. Yeah, look, 362 yards rushing uh, is incredible. That They ran the ball really well the whole game. Um, now, a lot of this came after Tennessee's up 21 nothing at halftime. Vanderbilt gets the ball to start the second half. They go for it on fourth and two at midfield on their first drive. They get stuffed for a one-yard loss, and I believe, if not the very next play, maybe the second play after that, they hand off to Jabari Small. He makes one safety miss. I don't know what defensive scheme Vanderbilt is running. There's no one in the secondary. He makes one cut and runs 50 yards for a touchdown, and Hutton, the game was over at that point, and I really think Vandy was not very interested. I'm not going to say quit. I'm going to say at 28 nothing though, after that long run, they weren't that interested in being out in the rain, in the cold, and playing that game. And Tennessee ran all over them. First game in program history where they had two 80-plus yard runs in the game. One by Dylan Sampson, one by Jalen Wright. Jalen Wright averages 22 yards per carry in this game. They average over 11 yards per carry as a team. Dominant running attack in this game. And Hutton, they did it at times with four of their five starting offensive linemen out in this game. Even Jackson Lampley, uh, a a key reserve for them, he gets injured and is out in this game. You know, they're down to Ollie Lane. Uh, They've got a former walk-on coming into the game, and they're still doing anything they want against Vanderbilt's front on the offensive line. I think that was a very impressive performance. Down both left tackles. Uh, Mincy was out, Jeremiah Crawford out. So a really impressive performance, especially given how shorthanded they were on the offensive line. All right, Chad, hear me out here, because you know I'm not on the Joe Milton train. Um, and I wasn't even prior to the performances that we've seen throughout this season, whenever uh, you and I would discuss even prior to the podcast starting, that there was a chance that he could come back next year. Um, I'm glad in a weird way. I'm not, I'm not glad that Hooker got hurt. I'm glad we saw this because with Milton, I think we've seen he is what he is. I don't know if you agree with me on this, but. What did you think of his overall play against Vandy? And I, the elements and look, they, they put up a ton of points. You mentioned they did what they needed to do. Um, they're not the same team with Joe Milton like they were with Hendon Hooker. And there is a noticeable difference there. Yeah, you know, his numbers aren't bad when you just look at it right. on paper. And it's aided by the the, the bomb to Jalen Hyatt on uh, the opening series of the game. I, I think that he's improved. I don't think it's the exact same player that we saw start the first couple games a year ago. Yeah, that's fair. But here's the issue. Um, and I think a, cu- a couple of instances I, I want to bring up. One happens in the second quarter with Tennessee up, first quarter with Tennessee up 7 nothing. There's a second and 10, 
It's a quick hit to Jalen Hyatt. He looks up and Hyatt is covered. He wisely does not throw the ball. But when he looks left, instead of just pumping it, not throwing it, and taking off and running for an easy 10 or 15 yards where he could have slid down with a first down, he holds on to it. He eventually just throws the ball away. Now, he may have been coached to not run at all because he didn't run once in this game because they didn't want to lose him, especially early. And, and that that may be the case, and, and that's fair if so. Yeah. But I think that's the big difference between Hendon Hooker and Joe Milton. Hendon Hooker, we've seen, where he's smart enough in the scheme to know, okay, that's not there, but the run lane is going to be there, and I can get something out of this by running it. The other thing is just the multiple overthrows down the field. He is not a guy who can take something off of the football. To me, the most frustrating one was not one of the deepest throws of the night. It was a quick play action. I think it was an RPO maybe even, and uh, Princeton fan is wide open down the seam. I mean, wide open. And you just have to just barely drop that ball over the linebacker, and it is a touchdown. And instead, he throws a missile past the outstretched one arm of, of Princeton fan. That's a frustrating part of the game. I don't think the offensive staff helped him that much because there were too many deep shots called in this game. I want to see more of him throwing over the middle. I want to see more quick outs. I thought he looked good in that part of his game. The touchdown throw to Walker Merrill. The fourth down pickup to Ramel Keaton for 23 yards. Those were really impressive looking throws down the middle of the field with some zip on it. I think he looks better from that respect. But man, oh man, Hutton, not much has changed with his ability to just throw the ball out of the stadium instead of completing it down the field when someone's wide open. We may do a whole podcast on this because I think we we can certainly say we have not seen enough to be like, yep, he's the guy. He's the guy next year. He can be. But he's not definitively, at least in my mind, in estimation right now. Uh, Jeremy Banks is the guy for defense, though. What a what a solid performance, and his impact is undeniable, Chad. It, it really is. And this is a guy, look, soak it up, because he's going to play in the bowl game, and that's going to be it for Jeremy Banks in a Tennessee uniform. Um, it's been an up-and-down, turbulent career. And the fact that he doesn't make the trip to South Carolina is not a great way to go out and in, in, in the career. But Jeremy Banks, to his credit, whatever happened where he didn't make the trip last week, he made the trip to Nashville, and he looked good. He brings a physicality to that team in just the way he attacks the ball carrier that is lacking on that defense with the rest of the defense. And you could see it. There's a different level of pop when he comes after someone. Uh, I thought he was in the right spot time and time again in this game. Uh, The defense seemed to be in a better spot at times. By the way, a weird penalty – for simulating the snap when he turns yeah. around and barely claps yeah. at Jalen McColl. I thought that was a weird, you know, you got to have some common sense. If you're the, if he's not trying to simulate the snap, he's looking back at someone and not even clapping hard in the moment. In, anyway, that, that was a quick aside. Jeremy Banks is, is key for this defense. Uh, and if you didn't believe that after the 63, nothing or 63 points, they put up, believe it after the shutout, they pitched the next week when he plays in the game. Cause that's a pretty remarkable turnaround even against a bad Vanderbilt offense, to go from giving up nine touchdowns out of ten possessions to shutting an SEC team out on the road is a pretty big deal. And, and Chad, uh, from turnaround to the return game, D. Williams, where'd he come from? D. Williams had his first return against LSU, and it was a good one. He's been close a number of times. I think he returned one to the 13-yard line on a short punt against Kentucky also. And he finally takes one to the house. It was a bad job of contain by the gunner for Vanderbilt. Uh, and I thought the SEC network crew pointed that out immediately. I think you could hear Jordan Rogers say, if he goes left, he's got, he's got a touchdown. And he did. And he did. And he scored. And then to go with the stanky leg, uh, <laughs> pulled hamstring, the fake in the end zone was, was quite impressive also. Because he fooled the me. Tennessee I immediately thought oh, he pulled his hamstring. On the, oh, never mind. Hutton's he's dancing now. Of so that was quite impressive Titans for D. He can be a, a factor in the run game. I think yeah. we've seen it at points this year. Finally breaking one, taking it to the house. He's going to be big next season. Are the football gods really going to give us the matchup we want? Tennessee and Clemson. We will discuss the bowl possibilities on the Tennessee Power Hour, served up by Nelson's Greenbrier Tennessee Whiskey. The Tennessee Power Hour. Get Chad Withrow's breakdown of this week's big orange matchup next. Cheers, huh? Cheers, Withrow. And cheers to brothers Andy and Charlie Nelson. After a chance encounter, they dedicated their lives to resurrecting the family business, Nelson's Greenbrier Distillery. And what they found is that whiskey runs in their blood. Made in Nashville, Tennessee, Greenbrier Tennessee Whiskey is a taste of home with a real Nashville story. 
Head to GreenbriarDistillery.com for cocktail recipes and more info. Greenbrier Tennessee Whiskey and Nelson Brothers Bourbon now available throughout the great state of Tennessee. So ask for it at your favorite store. Get you some Greenbrier. Nelson's Greenbrier reminds you to drink responsibly. Greenbrier Tennessee Whiskey, 45.5% alcohol by volume. Don't pay too much for your new Ford. Custom order it from Two Rivers Ford just outside Nashville. Two Rivers Ford is the premier volume Ford dealer in Tennessee. They've been locally owned since 1983, and they sell all their new non-specialty Fords at just 1% over invoice. That's right, 1% over invoice. They treat you right, and you'll always get the best price. I know because my family has been buying from them for years. So call Two Rivers Ford today at toll-free 800-900-1000. Hey, it's Hutton. Get prepared for your next tailgate with my friends at Edley's Barbecue. You've got options, wings in 25 or 50 count platters, smoked pulled pork, the best brisket, tender turkey, and scratch-made sides family style. Edley's is perfect on game day or for take-home. Edley's Barbecue smokes all meats low and slow, and all sides are classic family recipes, fresh every day. Edley's is a tribute to all things Southern and authentic to all things Tennessee. Nashville-style barbecue, Edley's Barbecue. Order at edleysbbq.com. Hello, Tennessee Power Hour listeners. My name is Hunter Briley, and I am with Regal Realty Group. And my name is Richard Van Clive. I'm also with Regal Realty Group. And we are great friends that treat our clients like great friends, because that's how we want to be treated. We are also born and raised here in Middle Tennessee and support our local team. And with an economy that's affecting everything except the real estate market, it's important to do business with friends that can tell you what's what. From contract to closing, everything in between, we have you covered. Go to RegalRG.com to get started. And happy football season. This is the Tennessee Power Hour with Jonathan Hutton and Chad Withrow. Can it be? Can it please be? Clemson and Tennessee, Dabo talking a little trash after the loss by Tennessee to South Carolina and then well, what do you know? South Carolina hands Clemson a loss at home to end their regular season as they head to the ACC championship game. Welcome back to the Tennessee Power Hour. We are powered by OutKick, served up by Nelson's Greenbrier Tennessee Whiskey. Chad, where are the balls headed bowling? So I looked at 10 different prognostications from different publications that, that project bowl games. Eight of the 10 have Tennessee playing Clemson in the Orange Bowl. Two others have Tennessee versus Kansas State in the Sugar Bowl. Now, this comes down to what you think is going to happen in the college football playoff rankings. Um, if you, if Alabama is going to be ahead of Tennessee, they're going to the Sugar. It's an automatic deal. Highest SEC team in the college football playoff rankings that's not in the playoff goes to the Sugar Bowl. If not, it's Tennessee in the Orange Bowl. That win over Vanderbilt secured Tennessee a spot in one of those two games. And I think that's an important jump up as opposed to you know, playing Tulane in the Cotton Bowl, oh, let's say, sure. in, in just a no-win yes. situation. Because if they get Clemson, uh, the Action Network, if that game were to be played in the Orange Bowl, Clemson would be a one-point favorite. So basically a coin flip game between Tennessee and Clemson yeah. and a chance Hutton against a program that Tennessee goes head-to-head with in recruiting all the time for players in the Carolinas. This would be a big moment for Tennessee in a New Year's Six Bowl game. The game's on December 30th at night in a primetime window by itself. The Sugar Bowl's at 11 a.m. on New Year's Eve, the same day that, guess what, everybody's watching the college football playoff games they're more interested in. I think it's a great opportunity for Tennessee if it is, in fact, Tennessee and Clemson in the Orange Bowl. You know where I'm voting here. Um, I'm hoping that the college football playoff committee does what we all expect, and they put Alabama ahead of Tennessee, even though – we saw them head to head. By the way, Hudden, I, I I will still complain about it because I think it's ridiculous. Yeah, but I am with you on this. Okay, it's what's best for Tennessee's bowl destination. Yes, yeah. Okay, uh, I I, well, I am with you on that. I would prefer Tennessee play Clemson in this Orange so, Bowl as opposed to the Sugar Bowl. And I, I'm going a little bit off course here, but I'm curious where you'll go here because I, uh, two weeks ago, before the Hooker injury, you were like, "Hey, if you give me the Sugar Bowl and the Heisman, sign me up for that." Which team would you rather face? With Joe Milton at quarterback, though, Clemson or Kansas State? I think it's Clemson for this reason. Clemson cannot throw the ball. Tennessee's Achilles heel. And Kansas State isn't a great passing attack, and they run it a lot, too. Yeah. I think Tennessee can stop teams rushing attack. 
So it's the teams that can throw it all over the place that's going to give Tennessee defensively the biggest problems. Defensively, Clemson's got a better defense. So from the Joe Milton perspective, you'd rather face Kansas State. But I just think overall matchup, I would still take Clemson. Yeah, that's what I want to. They're still going to score points, I feel like, on on Clemson's defense, even with Joe Milton. Now, of course, you'd rather have Hendon Hooker, and I'd feel a lot better. I think with Hendon Hooker, Tennessee's probably a you know five, six-point favorite. Uh, give it another touchdown in this game. But I still think they're going to score points well, against Clemson or Kansas State if they get in the Sugar Bowl. I, I would just rather face Clemson because that's not a passing attack that scares me, and it shouldn't scare anyone. And, and just briefly, and I, I know you're with me here too, like what a way to put an exclamation point on the end of the season. It's really a win-win because if you make it to the Orange Bowl and you lose to Clemson, who's preseason top four, before the season even kicked off and Tennessee made it there and loses to Clemson with Joe Milton as a backup quarterback starting the game, you're like, well, we made it to the Orange Bowl and and Hinton Hooker didn't make it all the way through. It was a great year, 10-win season. But if you win this game, you thump down Dabo at the end, and, and that that is a real jumping-off point off of what has already been a phenomenal second year for Josh Heupel. Um, and, and going into recruiting, going into the transfer portal, what momentum that would bring. Absolutely. And I think you're also going to see two very motivated teams. I have no doubt about Tennessee's motivation to be back in a game like this for the first time in a while. Clemson would rather be in the college football playoff. That's their goal every year. So this is almost a bit of a step down. But because it's Tennessee in this game and there's going to be a lot of hype and talk around this game, I think you're going to see it's going to be a war. Not all bowl games look like war when they're played. I think these two teams are going to absolutely get after each other if, yes. in fact, we see Tennessee and Clemson in the Orange Bowl. And, and you know what? Like, it just real quick, it's also fresh. If it's Bama and Clemson, who cares? Uh, yes. It, this, this is a game that will get big-time ratings, I think, nationally. People will be interested in these two different shades of orange going head-to-head in and the I, Orange Bowl. I'm more likely to watch Kansas State if they're playing Bama. Right. Like, again, like I'm I'm more likely to tune in on that game. Um, Points of emphasis for you in the transfer portal. Where where do you look? Yeah, I I think first and foremost, tight ends. They don't really have one if Jacob Warren doesn't come back. Jacob Warren has a chance to come back for a sixth season. If he does, he'll be a big part of what they do at tight end. Princeton Fant was the biggest part at tight end this year. He's gone. Uh, They've got really no one else of consequence on the roster currently. Ethan Davis is coming in as an incoming freshman, but tight ends as freshmen, tough to get them ready to go. Tennessee probably needs to take two tight ends in the transfer portal because they run a lot of two tight end sets. They do a lot of things with the tight ends, so they're probably going to need two. Another spot I'd look at, if Darnell Wright goes to the draft, he'd have a chance to come back for another year, even though he's a senior. But if he goes to the NFL draft, right tackle is a spot to watch. They brought in Mincy this past year as the transfer from Florida, that worked out for Tennessee pretty well. I think you could see a veteran right tackle if Darnell Wright leaves. And then Hutton, what have we been talking about this year that's the big Achilles heel for Tennessee? The defensive backfield. You can change your defensive backfield quickly. We saw it at LSU this year. You can go to the portal and bring in a bunch of new guys and get them playing quickly. There's a really good player at Cincinnati. That's in the portal right now. Tennessee needs to go hard at that that player. This is where NIL money and Tennessee's NIL war, war chest helps. I think they can get a couple of impact safeties that could start right away. They lose two senior safeties in Jalen McCullough and Trey Flowers. Defensive back, specifically safety, is a spot they need to hammer in the transfer portal probably as much as tight end. Those are the two positions I'd watch the most. And then specifically, maybe one right tackle. What do you think about the staff and and the movement that we could potentially see from Heupel's year two crew? I, I don't think, unless someone is asked to look around, that you've got a lot of danger of someone getting a better gig on the defensive side on that staff, uh, given some of Tennessee's problems this year. I think offensively, I, I don't know why, if you're a, jo- a, a, a school, you're not looking at Alex Golish. Because I know Heupel has a lot of say over play calling, but Alex Golish calls a lot of the plays too. And he brought a tough-mindedness. He brought bigger sets from Iowa State to Tennessee. You saw that in some short yardage situations this year. Uh, Alex Golish is a guy, he's getting a lot of pub at Cincinnati, where they're probably going to interview him for the head coaching vacancy now that Luke Fickle left for Wisconsin. 
Uh, Tennessee's offensive coordinator, Alex Golish, who is a finalist for the Broyles Award for the assistant of the year, he's someone I would watch to see if he takes the leap and becomes a head coach somewhere. Over, over under seven and a half, eight wins, nine wins, 10 win season. Ends up being a 10-win season. First time we've seen that in, what, a long time. What a fantastic year, too, for Josh Heupel in this program, regardless of how the college football playoff ends up working out and the loss to South Carolina and the impact and what it meant. What a great opportunity for Tennessee to build off of massive momentum. And we could probably roll the tape on this on our first Tennessee Power Hour earlier this year. We were talking about predictions for Tennessee season. The Vegas over-under was 7.5. I think I said 8 would be good. Nine would be great. Ten would be a dream. Well, we're dreaming now because Tennessee got to ten wins, and I didn't think that was going to be possible coming into this season. So terrific job by Josh Heupel. Here's what it does also. You've got a bunch of young guys in that roster, depending on who stays in the program, freshmen this year that need to step up, especially in the defensive backfield next year, some great freshmen, pass rushers, defensive linemen. All they know is ten wins. All they know is success. That's how you build – a level of accountability and expectation within a program is now those guys are talking to Nico Yamaleava. They're talking to every other player that's coming in. David Hobbs, a five-star defensive lineman coming in. They're saying, this is what we do here now. The, the old way of doing things, that's gone. We're going to score a ton of points and we're going to win double-digit games. That is the expectation now at Tennessee. I don't know that it's going to be true year in, year out, but that's what they know. It's all they know. If you're a young player on this roster, I think that's invaluable for a program. And of all the great things that Josh Heupel has done with the program, of all the lasting memories of Hendon Hooker and the great memories we'll never forget, sitting in that stadium for that Tennessee-Alabama game and that win and everything else from this season, now moving forward, I think the most important thing for the future is I think Tennessee is going to set up an expectation of this. This is not going to be a passing, fleeting thing. They may not win 10 games next year, But you're going to see a team that reacts very differently to losing now moving forward because they're not as used to it as a lot of guys that were on that roster. Credit to those guys who stayed when 30-plus players left with all the fallout from Jeremy Pruitt and everything else. And it's tough to blame them, those who left. Those guys who stayed built this, and they carried the torch over. And now those young guys that all they know is success, they can breed that with the next recruiting class. Chad, we will be back a week from now. We will be previewing and giving our thoughts on the Vols Bowl matchup. Plus, to recap Titans-Eagles and look ahead to the matchup between the Tennessee Titans and the Jacksonville Jaguars. For Chad Withrow, I'm Jonathan Hutton. Huge thanks to our great supporters and sponsors here on the Tennessee Power Hour. Nelson's Greenbrier, Tennessee Whiskey, Two Rivers Ford, Regal Realty Group, and Edley's Barbecue. 